guys, it's Meg. What's up? What's poppin'? Welcome to the podcast! Every spring and summer, you start to see tie-dye everywhere. On clothes, bags, pillows, tie-dye kits at craft stores. But why is it so popular? We're gonna talk about that today because I love tie-dye. I feel like I am in the top number one fan group for tie-dye. I tie-dye all the time. Every summer, my mom invites me to her classroom and I help her and her teacher tie-dye the shirts for the kids. It's so much fun. I want to tie-dye right now. Just talking about tie-dye. It's great. I don't even know what I haven't made at this point. I've made tapestries. I've made shirts, tank tops, sweatpants, shoes, bags, bandanas. It's a whole time. I love it. I don't know if I've ever tie-dyed shorts though. That would be so fun. Hey, what's up? It's Editing Meg and I have tie-dyed shorts before. I literally made my friends matching sets with biker shorts and a sweatshirt. I don't know how I forgot that because I made myself the same thing. I need to do that now. I need to add to my list. But we skirt skirted so hard and we're not even a minute into the episode. That's crazy. We are nine episodes into season six and I honestly do not remember if I've said this before, but we are going to cue the back in time music. Okay, not to trigger anybody, but here's a warning. We're going to talk about COVID. So COVID happens. We all get sent home. Well, most of us get sent home. We're stuck at our house. We're bored. For some reason, I know I've told this story multiple times throughout the podcast existence, but for some reason, everybody and their mother starts tie-dyeing. Like, I remember there was this girl I went to high school with who started tie-dyeing and selling it to people. And I was like, why don't I start doing that? Sometimes I feel like I should. You guys should convince me to sell my tie-dye because I love tie-dye and I think it's so fun, so cool. But also, I just feel funny about selling it. And like, where would I even sell it? But anyways, everybody and their mother started tie-dyeing during COVID that there was actually a shortage. Like, I remember I went to the craft store. Like, when you could go back out, I went back to the craft store to get more tie-dye kits. And a woman was like, if you're looking for tie-dye, we're all out. We can't keep it in stock. And I was like, oh, okay. And I'll never forget this. I ordered this tie-dye kit off Amazon by Tulip because that's my favorite brand of tie-dye to use. Shout out to Tulip Crafts. You guys have great tie-dye. But I, I bought this kit from Amazon from them. And it was like $15. I'm not joking you. When I went back to reorder it because I ran out, it was $50, five zero. Like the inflation went up so much because Amazon knew they could do that because people wanted it and people were buying it. It blows my mind. Like the shortage was so bad that whenever I could find tie-dye and I found it on a good sale, I would just buy it and stock up. Do you know how many tie-dye kits I have? I don't really know. So Edit and Meg will come in here and let us know how many unused tie-dye kits I have right now. We're not going to talk about all the bottles, but just unused kits. So if I counted right, I have seven complete unopened tie-dye kits, and that is not including all the bottles and like dye packets that I have already pulled out of other kits. Thank you for that. It's a crazy amount, right? I just love tie-dyeing so much, but it got me wondering, what is the history behind tie-dye? Because everything has a history, everything has a past, so where did tie-dye come from? The article I used is sciencehistory.org, and it's called Fit to be Dyed. The name got me. That's why I started looking at the article, to be honest. And this is from September 7, 2021. And before the 1960s, tie-dye was actually known as tied dyeing That's just a little fun fact for you. It's like the same words, but like the what is that called? Oh my gosh. My English teachers would be so upset with me. The tense. That's what it is. The tense of the word, like the past tense, present tense has changed. We went from tied dying to tie died. They literally just flipped. The ancient art practice across many continents and cultures. It is said that one of the oldest techniques is called Bantani. I did my research before, guys. I actually have Safari open right now to tell me how to pronounce these things. So I'm really hoping I still pronounce that right, but it's B-A-N-D-H-A-N-I. And this practice has been done for more than 
4,000 years in South Asia. And it's done by taking the fabric and tying it into tight, tiny knots before dipping it into dye vats. And this produces a delicate and complicated pattern. It kind of reminds me of, oh my god, what's that technique? Shibori? I think that's how you pronounce it. What I'm talking about is usually like a navy blue. It reminds me technique-wise of that, not pattern-wise. Pattern-wise, bandani is so much more complicated. But there's so many other techniques in South Asia, South America, West Africa, and more. And in the past, obviously, they didn't have dye like we have nowadays. They use natural colors, which I want to try this so badly because obviously you can still take elements from the past, even though we're much more technologically advanced. I think that's the phrase I want to use. No, we're more advanced now, but we can still use things from the past to implicate in our lives today. So in the past, they used leaves from indigo plants or the roots of the rose matter. I don't know what that means. I, I didn't look that part up. So I looked up the roots of rose matter, and it's a dye that comes from the roots of a matter plant, and it's a rose pink color. So that's all it is. It's just a plant. They also use mordants made from alum, salts of iron, copper and tin, and tannic acid to get dye to stick to fabric. It was just like a tool they used. Basically, like our tie-dye bottles we have, that was like their version of it back then. But the first synthetic fabric dye didn't come until 1856, and it was actually toxic. Like people were getting sick and dying because of what they were putting in it because they didn't know better. Like I said, they weren't as technologically or medically advanced back then. So they didn't know. Everything's a trial and error. Even today, everything's still a trial and error. So the first synthetic dyes were actually toxic they were making people sick they were doing so many different things to their body and an article by chemist professor charles e palu in the craftsman in 1909 talked about arts and crafts movement and had a huge section on tie-dye which he credited to indian dyers as the originators but we all know it's hard to tell who the original people are even though there's like a lot of history it's like who said it first because it's all about who gets discovered first history is complicated but it's also really cool and interesting this next fact i thought this was really interesting and really cool i feel like i'm saying interesting a lot this episode i'm so sorry but in america dye came from germany that's how we got dye here in world war one there was a shortage in the dye and they couldn't get it from Germany anymore. So American color chemists started making their own dye, which became known as Rit dye, which literally blows my mind because we still have Rit dye today. Like I've used it. I personally, okay, let's just do a little skirt skirt. I like Rit dye better for dyeing the overall fabric or doing like an ombre or like drawing or something. I don't personally like Rit dye for tie dye. I just feel like the color fades and washes out so much faster than tulip. Like, I have t-shirts that I made in literally high school, which, oh my god, it was a long time ago. Like, it's like five-ish, maybe six years now, which is literally insane. I feel like I just graduated. But I have shirts from them that are still super bright and vibrant. Because here's my tie-dye technique. I'm gonna give it to you. Maybe I should finish the podcast and then give you my tie-dye technique. Never mind. We're gonna keep moving on. And then I'll end the podcast with my tie-dye techniques. I feel like that would be way better. So, Rit Dye comes. And because they have access to dye now, it's a lot easier to access because it's right there. The production's being made in America. They don't have to wait for Germany to send it over. It became popular. Tie-dye became super popular in the 1920s to the 1930s because it was a thrifty, inexpensive way to fix or spice up their clothes. Because, you know, there was the Great Depression and they had to get creative. But another year that I feel like tie-dye is way more known for is the 1960s to 1970s, aka the hippie Woodstock era. There was tie-dye everywhere. Everybody and their mother had tie-dye. There was shorts, t-shirts, bandanas, a lot of fringe. It was so cute. I loved that fashion choice. 
And then the next time tie-dye became popular was COVID-19, which it blows my mind how tie-dye is always there. It's always been there, but it always just has moments where it gets popular again. And everyone's like, oh my God, tie-dye. But it's like, no, she's low-key been here the whole time. You just didn't realize it. But here's my tie-dye technique. Let's insert some really fun music here. Maybe fun fact music. Should we do that here? I don't know. We're going to cue some fun music here, and I'm going to tell you my tie-dye technique. So here's the technique that I do that gets the dye to, I personally believe, stay longer and last longer. You're going to take your shirt. you got to make sure it's 100% cotton, or it has to just be mostly cotton, because if you use something else, oh my god, what's to start with? Polyester, is that what I'm thinking of? It doesn't, the dye won't stick to it. it. You literally have to, like, boil it first to break it up to get the dye stick. So take your 100% cotton shirt, or like your 90% cotton shirt, and you're going to wet it. A lot of people say this changes the dye. They say this makes the color less bright and vibrant. I don't fully believe. I feel like it just makes it stay longer. So you're going to wet your shirt, tie it up whichever way you want, and then you're going to apply your dye to it. Front side, back side, make sure you get up all up in the spaces because you don't want too much white in your shirt because then it's just going to look like it was an accident. So get your dye all up in the fabric. Then you're going to leave it for 24 hours at least. I think once I left mine for like a couple days and it was fine, but I do 24 hours. Then you hand wash it first. You want to hand wash it, get all the stuff out, and then you can put it in your washer and your dryer. And honestly, it just makes it last so much longer. I don't know why. I don't know the science behind it. And honestly, I don't want to know the science behind it. But there's a technique for you to try the next time that you tie-dye, get your tulip brand dye, and go to town. But what are your opinions on tie-dye? Do you like it? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Do you think it's tacky? A lot of people think tie-dye is tacky, but I love it. I love a good tie-dye Tuesday. It's a real thing. Look it up. People wear tie-dye on Tuesdays because it works. But let me know. Comments on my Instagram post, which you should totally go follow me, guys. It's hey guys, this is Meg underscore podcast, little plug. But yeah, let me know what you think. Do you love tie-dye? Do you hate it? Do you think it's cute? Let me know. So the next time you walk into a store or you're tie-dyeing something for yourself or somebody you know, just know there's a lot of history behind it. There is so many different ways that you can tie your clothes up to make it look pretty. And it's such a fun way to, like they did back then, fix or spice up your clothes. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Hey Guys, it's Meg. You can follow Hey Guys is Meg underscore podcast on Instagram for updates and good times. Come back next Monday where we talk about things that are different from when we were a kid to when we become a quote unquote adult. I'll see you on the flip side. Peace out, Girl Scouts.